0: faith and reason, are, are they don't conflict, and that Christianity and the truths of God's Word are a solid rock that we can stand up upon, and it will, it will hold us, and it will hold us in uncertain days as well. Well, I wanted to do something to start with, and uh, I've got a couple logos from some teams. Okay, here's my point. Your chances are you're a fan of a team because of where you grew up, who you grew up with, or where you live now. And uh, so I doubt any of you have even heard of that community college in Montana. I didn't either. I just kind of went online and just found something obscure. Leesburg, that's another story. Actually, that's a lot of stories. But um, what about what we believe, though? Why do you believe what you believe? Is it just because you grew up in it? You know, you're loyal to your beliefs just because, well, I was raised in a Christian home, Christian family, raised in the church or whatever. And and really where I want to go with this, especially today, is not what you believe, but why you believe. Why you believe. Because if you just believe something because you were raised in it, that's called default religion. If you grew up in India, by default, you most likely would be Hindu. If you grew up in, say, Iran, you most likely, by default religion, you would be Muslim. And that they enforce their religion as well. And if you grew up in the United States, most parts, uh, you know, you grew up kind of by default with a Christian mindset, more or less. More more often, uh, the millennial mindset and the world of academia, the default religion there would be atheism. And so it's important that we know Not just what we believe, you'd better know that, but we also need to know why we believe it. And when I consider that where you kind of grew up has a lot to do with how you believe, the question begs to be asked, what if we were born in the wrong place? Now I believe, and and I want to share in this series, I believe we're standing on the right rock. But it's not just what we believe about that. Again, it is why, why do we believe that? I wanna show you um, some guys here. There was a study done and a number of criteria for this and these were out of the list. I wanna show you the five most intelligent. These are the smartest people ever, okay? They had an impact. So first one here, this is Johann Goethe and he's a, a German polymath, does chemistry, literary genius and so forth. And the next one is, you'll recognize him, Albert Einstein. Uh, his name's kind of synonymous with intelligence, principle of relativity, and so forth. A third one, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's had a little work done since then. No, that's Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, Renaissance painter, architect, musician, mathematician, inventor, writer. He painted the Mona Lisa, which is currently on display at Laritos on the boulevard here in, here in town. I sat by it the other day. I'm not kidding. He also imagined helicopters before they were invented. And then you have Sir Isaac Newton, go ahead to Sir Isaac Newton, needs a stylist. Um, (laughs) uh, Physicist, mathematician, formulated the theory of uh, of universal gravitation, the laws of motion, momentum, and calculus. No, thank you. And then fifthly, James Maxwell, mathematician, physicist, he uh, did the, the early work on quantum theory and electromagnetic radiation. So you have all these guys and you say, what on earth does this have to do with this? Not only did they make a mark on their culture because of their intellect, they also made a mark on their culture. The five smartest guys made a mark on their culture because of their faith. Every one of these guys acknowledged public, publicly a profound faith in God. Einstein even said this, after studying the inner workings of the universe, he found evidence for God in the harmony of all that exists. Uh, uh, Goethe, the the smartest guy, he not only considered himself a Christian, but also a thinker, and he was convinced that the the Christian faith was without doubt the ultimate, best, truest, most rational religion in the world. So, Christianity is also the largest faith in the world. I want to read you a few things real quickly about this. In AD 33, Jesus was finishing up ministry at that point. He had less than 200 followers. Fast forward to today, 2.3 billion followers. And by category, if we were to define it, and there are a lot of varieties within 2.3 billion followers, Christians, but they all would believe this that believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he was the Son of God, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the grave, and he's coming back one day. 2.3 billion Christians believe that. Now, when you figure all that out, that is one out of every three people on the planet. One out of every three people on the planet. Let's go a little bit further. Put that in perspective. 2.3 billion Christians, so let's just call that the church. That's bigger than China. It's more people than China. It's more people than China and Europe combined. It's more people than China, Europe, and the United States, all those populations combined. There has to be something to this. Further, Jesus never wrote anything down that we know of. He didn't write a book, didn't keep a journal, didn't write a letter. And yet more books have been written about Jesus Christ than any other subject. Uh, Actually, nothing even comes as a close second. Jesus never wrote any songs, never composed any music, yet more music has been written about Jesus than any other subject put together. He never built any buildings, yet more architecture has been built in honor of Jesus than any possible subject on the earth. Nothing even comes close. Jesus never drew any pictures. He never built any statues, yet more art has been dedicated to the subject of Jesus than any other subject combined. And then Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown, and yet you find followers in every nook and cranny any place on the earth because one out of three people and the whole population of the world believe that Jesus is the son of God. So, is it just a feeling? Is it just because they grew up in a certain place? Is it just because grandma said, we believe this way? And great-grandma's buried in the cemetery at the old church. You know, why? why? There has to be something. There has to be a foundation. There has to be something underneath this why Christianity is the largest faith, why people that do have reason and intellect and think, why they believe and, and, and are very uh, vocal about their beliefs. Christianity actually invites you to explore and to think. It invites you to have a reasoned faith that to believe can be more than just an, it can be uh, an informed decision, not just a feeling, not just because you're raised that way. Whenever you have any discussion about faith, um, usually in that discussion, you're gonna come across the idea of doubt. Now doubt is not entirely what we think it is. Doubt actually means not believing. It means dubious it actually means this in the bottom line. It means being of two minds, being of two minds. So what happens with doubt is this, is you go back and forth, back and forth until you land on what you choose to believe. So you do that at restaurants. You get the menu, oh, the kale salad. <laughs> and, Or the volcanic pizza. <laughs> yeah, and so you go and what are you doing? Doubt. And now now hear me, it's not negative all in itself, it's part of the process. So I'm weighing, I'm deciding, do I want the salad, do I want the pizza? And you go back you go back and forth until you land on one. Doubt. You also do it in your closet. You did it this morning. Do these shoes look okay with this? Yeah, I've changed my time. And we go through the whole we go through the whole deal. What are we doing? We're back and forth. It's doubt. We're being of two minds, sometimes three, until we land on what we want to do. You do it at stores. You know, you're trying to decide which washer or dryer, which which this or that that you're going to get, which flat screen, first world problems. We're looking at all the things, trying to decide what it is that we want. But you need to understand this. Doubt is part of the process. For some reason in Christianity, sometimes we're afraid of doubt. We're afraid of anybody with doubt. And so we fire back at people and say, well, I I just believe what I believe because I believe it. And honestly, you're going to have to have a little bit more than that. Well, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that might be good for you, but that's not gonna carry any weight, not gonna make any inroads with anybody else. There must be, why do you believe? And that's what we're going to dig into um, in this service, or in this series. God made us to be thinkers. Actually, our word human being comes from the Latin homo sapien, and it means a thinking being, a thinking being. God has created us not only with the ability to think, but with the responsibility to think. Now look with me in Isaiah chapter one. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. And so what's happening here is an invitation, an invitation to reason, an invitation to think. Can I I say it? Now, Now get your new mindset on doubt. It's an invitation to doubt understanding that doubt is part of the process doubt is different than disbelief or unbelieving that's a refusal to believe doubt is i'm weighing i'm weighing and what it takes to believe look at me for this is your heart and your head your heart and your head you must have an honest heart and an open mind an honest heart and an open mind some people close their mind and they become dogmatic on any issue, on any subject, all across the spectrum. And if you're really going to discover truth, if you're really going to truly reason things out, you must have an honest heart and you must have an open mind. And God invites us to come. He invites, come on and, and reason with me. And as we come realizing it's part of the process, when he says, come and let us reason together, he says, let's weigh this out. Let's weigh this out. And what that invitation does, it it brings us to a place of discovery. That means you're gonna find something out. You're going to find out and settle on something that you did not know before, or you're gonna find out and settle on something that's a little different than what you thought before. But you're invited to it and Christianity can take it. Jesus can take your questions. The word of God can stand up to scrutiny. There's, There's not a break, there's not a conflict between faith and intellect. And faith and believing is not, as some have said, a crutch for weak-minded people. I'm sure there are some weak-minded people that believe. There's weak-minded people on every team. You know, but what we want to do, what we're going to be careful to do is to make sure not just what we believe, but why we believe it. And I'm telling you what, it is a solid rock that we can stand on, but we must be able to share that with others as well. Amen. Now... Jesus was asked one time to summarize everything. Let's look at this in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them, what? Debating. Debating. What are they doing? They're reasoning. Do you know what they're doing? They're in process. There's There's some doubting. Now the doubting is what? It's, I'm going back and forth. I'm weighing this. And a faith that has been weighed like that is worth more. A faith that has been weighed out that has gone through process is worth more and will stand up it will stand up to things so he heard them debating noticing that jesus what jesus was i know right <laughs> knowing that jesus was a part of the debate here noticing that jesus had given them a good answer he asked them of all the commandments which is the most important verse 29 the most important one answered Jesus is this, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your Heart. and with all your Soul. and with all your mind. With all your what? Mind. With all your mind and with all your strength. Notice we are to love the Lord our God in all the ways that we know but we're also to love the Lord our God with our mind. We are to be thinkers. Now, Jesus and Thomas, and remember we relabeled him. He's no longer doubting Thomas. He's who? Honest Honest Thomas. He wanted to believe. I think he just had some questions. I think he was looking for truth. And we look here in, in John chapter 14, and we'll see that Thomas had some questions early on in his time with Jesus. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how. Can we know the way? He has a, that's a good question. How can we know the way? Look at Jesus' answer here in verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Thomas believed. I believe Thomas believed that. He said, Show us the way. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Thomas was a, a, a very loyal, uh, vital part of the disciples. And then came the cross. And the cross for Thomas was, like it would have been for you, a crisis of his faith. And then later the disciples told him, Jesus is risen and we saw him. And he said, I doubt it. He said, I, I what? I doubt it. And this is, this is the criteria. He said, and I won't believe it unless I can see some things. Do you know why to me this is significant? Unless I can see it, He's saying, I won't believe unless I can see something because the reason I'm not believing is because of something I have seen. So everything that Thomas hoped and thought that Jesus would be and do and established suddenly collapsed when he saw the cross because what he saw on the cross was the way, the truth, the life and everything he thought Jesus was going to be and do. And what did he see? He saw a limp lifeless bloodied corpse hanging on the hanging on the cross and his faith evaporated his faith, his faith just kind of collapsed. Well we look over and we find here in John chapter 20 a resurrected Jesus comes to Thomas. Now Thomas called the twin Didymus one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, "We have seen the Lord." So he said to them, "Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails because he had seen all of that and put my hand into his side, I will not believe, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you, verse 27. And he said to Thomas, listen, I believe a resurrected Jesus made his way to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Now, go with me on this. Do you know what I think Jesus was saying? And first of all, so supernatural. He came in through a door that wasn't open. He knew the questions that Thomas had without conversation. He's resurrected and he's standing there. And he says, Thomas, here I, here I am. Check me out. But here's what I think he was saying in essence. I think Thomas got this. He says, Thomas, you remember that question you asked me one time? Show me the way. You remember that? Remember my answer to you? That I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, I still am. I still am the way, the truth, and the life. And Thomas fell to his knees. And he got the doubt out. He settled it all. He settled it and he bowed and he he declared, my Lord and my God. I promise you that Thomas had an informed faith, not just based on feeling. And do you know what happened with Thomas? In AD 50, Thomas took Christianity into India. He evangelized India. And then about 20 years after he was there, he died a martyr's death. He was actually being persecuted and pressed to deny his faith, to deny a resurrected Jesus. And it wasn't because of a feeling that he couldn't do that. It was because of what he saw. It was because of what he knew. It was because of what he had put together on the whole thing. He said, I, I can't deny him. And, and history tells us that he bowed and prayed in front of his persecutors and prayed out loud for his persecutors. And they took a spear and pierced him through while he was praying he died a martyr's death you don't die a martyr's death because you got an idea you don't die a martyr's death because grandma passed on some traditional thought to you you die it because it's something real in you if it's not real in you if it's not settled in you if you haven't thought it out if you don't have a reasoned faith and they're about to spear you or, or or worse or whatever you say hey can we talk a little bit work something out. But no, he, he stayed there and, and he died. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 21 that in the new Jerusalem, in the holy city, there are 12 foundation stones that, that are around that city and each one for the 12 disciples of the lamb. And one of those has Thomas's name on it. Don't you dare call him Doubting Thomas anymore. You call him Honest Thomas. And I tell you what, thank, thankful for his faith. Christianity invites you to explore and it can take it. Listen, for you, your friends, this message is for you to help you. This is to help you to help others. But you do not need to be afraid that someone asks a question about Jesus or about Christianity. But I want you to know that Christianity actually invites you to explore. But Christianity also invites you to do this, to believe, to believe. And when you believe, you believe with your heart and you believe with your, with your mind with an honest heart, and with an open mind. And realize, realize that as you explore all of your needs, all of your deepest needs are, first of all, spiritual. So let me just cut to the bottom line on that. Everybody, everybody you know, everybody there's ever been, everybody there ever will be, has within them a God-shaped void, a God-shaped hole that can only be filled with God. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you have ever tried to fill that void, that hole with something that did not fit? And God has designed us that way. You'll know this doesn't fit. I've watched people pursue everything under the sun. We've read about it. We've watched it. We've known people. Uh, After drugs, after alcohol, after relationships, after wildness, after money, after places, after people, after fame, after all kinds of things. And once you get it, And you try to put it in that spot, it doesn't fill. And you're wired that way to know, "Eh, that doesn't work. Come on, let me ask you again. How many of you have tried to fill that before with something and you found out that didn't fill? You still have not found what you're looking for. It's like working on a puzzle and we got this one spot to put and and you're putting everything else in and twisting it around. It just does not fit. The picture does not come together until you put God in that God-shaped place. And when you put God, when you get God in that place in your life, there's a peace that comes that you can't get any other place any other way. There's something that happens. It's a knowing, it's a confidence. I didn't say that, pe- that life was perfect at that point, but it comes together at that point when God finds his way into that God-shaped void on the inside of you. And God help us all as we, that we never try to fill that with other things, other people, other activities, other places or anything else, but that we fill it with God himself. Realize also that as you explore, you won't be able to understand or explain everything. It's called the God factor. You know, explore, but you're not going to be able to explain everything. You won't be able to understand everything. There's a place in your exploration, exploration that you come to and you realize, I believe. There was a young man in John chapter 9 who was blind, and Jesus healed him. And his eyes were open, and everybody surrounded him and asked him all of these questions. And this is what he said, I, You know, I don't know. 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 He said, all I know is this, I I once was blind and now I can see. Is that anybody's testimony here today? Not not necessarily your eyes, but I once was blind, but now I see. Do I have all the answers? No. But explore, and as you explore, you'll get answers. And you'll come to a place, though, when you have an honest heart and an open mind, you'll arrive at a place. I don't know about that. and I don't know about that. But I do know about this. And it will help you to step across that line. God will, and and if you get nothing out of today, make sure that you get this. God will always be greater than your comprehension. It's one of the reasons we worship him. You're so big and awesome, I can't figure you out. Come on, how many of you had God do anything before you could not figure out, okay? And so God will always be greater than your comprehension. That's a reason to worship him. That's a reason to rejoice because of this. Listen, if the only God that you can trust is a God that you can fully figure out with your mind, that's a pretty puny God. That's a pretty lame God. That is a, a non-creative, inconsistent God, a God that I can fully figure out. He's greater than that. And God will always be greater than our, than our comprehension. When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, you know what I think he was saying? You're bigger, you're stronger, you're wiser, you're greater, and I believe. It's okay to explore. It's okay to explore, and I believe that as you explore, you'll come to a place where you're going to decide and you're going to land things. And when you explore, and I'll say it again, when you explore with an honest heart, with an open mind, do you know that's, what that's the equivalent of? Seeking. And there's a powerful law that God lives by. And he said this, that if you seek me, you will, you will find me. I challenge every one of you, I'll say it again, with an honest heart, with an open mind, seek, ask your questions, go after God, tell him what I need to know, tell him what you need to see. And you know what? He'll meet you there because you're seeking him. He'll show you, what, he'll show you what's important but it'll bring you to a place where you will just know in your heart and you will know in your mind and you'll step across the line. And like Thomas, I believe you too will say, my Lord and my God.